Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 39. Look at verse 8. Opportune times for the enemy to come in like a flood is often when we're either coming off a victory and feeling like we can do this and you know, we're good to go, maybe a little bit prideful, or maybe when we're feeling weak. The devil's first temptation to Jesus is in the midst of his fast. And he said, if you're the son of God, if that's true, if the, what the father just said, you are his beloved son, if you're the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. You ever been there before? Yeah, why should, why should I be hungry right now? I'm supposed to be a child of God. I'm supposed to have the blessing of God. And here comes the enemy. In an area of need, food, eating. Look, let's be real in the church. We know that we all have a drive to, to be with someone. If, unless we have the gift of celibacy, we are going to have a drive to be with someone in that way. It's a natural drive. A God-given drive. God made it up. We, we hesitate sometimes in the church to talk about sex, but look, God thought this up. It's God's creation, but it is to be fulfilled in God's way and in God's time. And look, this is where the blessing is found. You go and you just look at reports and interviews that they do on people that have lived together and then people that have waited. I'm not saying God can't redeem and restore any situation, but I'm saying God's way is always the right way. It's always the right way. And the world... Uh, basically throws mud at that constantly. And the church, look, we're not, we're living in the world. We're not to be of the world. Uh, we're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. But look, we, we're affected by this stuff. The enticements and the temptations come. And it's, it's true that there's a struggle for men and women in the church as well. And this is a great response. He says, look, my master, he's given me all this charge the only thing that he's not given me is you, because you are what? Look at verse 9. You are his wife. Now, people sometimes say, well, does it really matter in other cultures that are not centered in the God of the Bible? Does marriage really matter in those cultures? Apparently, it does. Apparently, in Egyptian culture, when a man marries a woman, another man ought not to be messing with that woman. Oh, but wait a minute, they believe in a thousand or a million gods. Who cares? Uh, marriage is from the Lord. That was a quiet amen, but it's still all right. God created this, and he created it for mankind. A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. By the way, that's singular. And so Joseph says, how then end of nine, could I do this great evil and sin? Now, you would expect that he would say right here, and sin against Potiphar. But he doesn't say that. He says, how can I do this great evil and sin against who? Against God. Now, she might say, which God? Which God are you talking about that you'd be sinning against? But Joseph says, my God, the true God, I don't want to sin because my sin, if I sleep with you, my sin, first and foremost, will be vertical. When we sin, brothers and sisters, I know this is a little hard to take sometimes, but when we sin, 
we sin against God. Every sin that we commit is against God. David, when he had sinned with Bathsheba in Psalm 51, and he's, he's at a point of confession now, and he's, he's going before the Lord with repentance and cleansing, he says, against you and you only have I sinned and done what was evil in your sight. I want you to notice Joseph says something that would be totally unpopular to the people of his day and the people of our day. Can you imagine if a friend of yours came to you and said to you, hey, I'm considering having an affair with this man or this woman. And you said, how could you do such a great evil? They would think that you're like a Puritan or something, right? We don't talk about things in those terms anymore. That sin could be categorized as great evil? We don't even call things evil anymore. I think some people are not even certain that Satan's evil anymore. Give him a break. He's misunderstood. Maybe he just needs some puppy therapy and he'll be all right. Sorry, that's just personal commentary. To say to someone, this would be a great evil, I would challenge you, do something this week. When you study your Bible, go home and do a concordant search on the word evil. If you have a Bible program or if you have one of the old books that's a concordance, you will be blown away with how many times you see the word evil in your Bible. The Bible calls things evil. And we have a verse in Isaiah 5, uh, Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 5, verse 20, that what people call good, what people, what is good, people call evil, and they call evil what? Good. We're so confused anymore. We don't even know what to call evil anymore and what to call good because, as somebody put it who is being interviewed on Focus on the Family today, she put it this way, former lesbian, got saved in 1999. She was a professor at Syracuse University. I'm trying to think of her name. Anybody here the interview today? Anyway, um, she came out of a lesbian lifestyle. And she said one of the problems is that she was around some of the things of God. And she said one of the problems that we have in the church today, listen to this, we have a low view of sin. That's profound, isn't it? We have a low view of sin anymore. We can just dismiss sin. We, we kind of, well, marginalize it. It's not that big of a deal, you know. The world is so confused. The world, you know, think about it. Egypt is a type of the world. Joseph's right in the center of the lion's den. He's right in the center of where they've made their own moral judgments about what's good and evil. They appease gods that sometimes are appeased by these terrible uh, festivals that they hold and so forth that have unspeakable things as part of them. And here's Joseph, sold into slavery, propositioned by his boss's wife. And he says, I can't do this. I'm not going to sin against God. Would it stop you in your tracks next time to know? Let's say that you have a habitual sin pattern in your life, and some Christians are struggling with those. I know in my first five years as a Christian, I had a lot of baggage. But the next time that you're faced with a decision as to whether or not you're going to do that thing, 
What if you thought next time, you know what? My sin, first and foremost, is vertical. My sin is against God. Now, I know I'm a forgiven man. I know that my sins are forgiven in Christ. But I know that every time I make a decision to disobey God, there's always consequences that follow. I don't, I don't uh, stop being loved by God or any of that, but, but, I, but there's a price to be paid. And for some people, it's a, a price of trying to get back where they were before they fell on their face. There's Christians that, that are stuck in cycles where they know the thing that they do is wrong, they do it, and then they go through this mourning and repentance to try to get back where they were before they did it. We're getting real tonight, aren't we, brothers and sisters? And you get stuck in this pattern. And it's like, well, at what point are you going to take the off-ramp and realize that if you keep walking down that same road, that same bump you keep getting, you're going to be there again. And so Joseph's faced with this stuff. The book of Proverbs is filled with all kinds of stuff about making decisions like this. Let's go there really quick. Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. So, Psalms and then Proverbs. Proverbs 3. Look at verse 5. Proverbs 3, 5. You all know it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will do what? He will make your path straight. Now look at verse 7 of Proverbs 3, right after what we just quoted. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Proverbs 3, verse 7. Fear the Lord and do what? Turn away from evil. Look at Proverbs 4, verse 23. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious lips far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from what? Evil. There's that word again. Look at Proverbs 6, verse 16. There are six things the Lord hates, yes, seven which are an abomination to Him. He hates haughty eyes, 6.17, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that defies wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to what? To evil. A false witness who utters lies and one who spreads strife among brothers. Look at Proverbs 6, look at verse 23. Proverbs 6, 23. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is a light and reproofs for discipline are the way of life. To keep you from, there she is, from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress, do not desire her beauty in your heart nor let her catch you with her eyelids. We had a pastor, uh, we had a Bible study a while ago and he said he was taking his son through Proverbs and his son said these words, why do women keep coming up over and over again in the book of Proverbs? Warnings about women and the adulteress. And the pastor dad went, uh, well. And then go to, uh, if you want to read the rest of that, you can read it on your own time, but it, it warns you about what's going to happen if you go the way of the adulteress. Uh, if you look at verse 33, just to pick up the thought, it says, Wounds and disgrace he will find. His reproach will not be blotted out. And then Proverbs 8.13 is a great uh, foundational verse for all Christians. It says, Proverbs 8.13, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, 
pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you about a special offer that we have in relation to Genesis 39 and how to deal with temptation. We could all use more help on how to deal with temptation. And I wrote a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. And one of the major themes there is how to deal with temptation and really to follow Joseph's lead on how to put on the full armor of God and how to deal with the typical ways that the enemy, the world, and the flesh come at us. It's our special offer on Living Truth Radio, and here's how you get a copy of the book. Go to the website, livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button. You'll see the book there. And just go ahead and put for any size donation to Living Truth Radio. We will send you a copy of that book. Just make sure you put your information there. We appreciate your prayers and your financial support. God bless you. Let's go back to Genesis 39. So, if you do that concordance search in your Bible, you're going to find all kinds of commentary. And Joseph saw if he would do this thing, it would be a great evil against the Lord. He didn't want to do it. But you know how temptation works. It doesn't just come once. So you could say, and maybe you've been there, maybe some of you, you've gained some victory in areas of your life. And, and look, I just want to give you some hope tonight that I think it's a progressive thing that happens for Christians. I think as we... We get saved in a moment by God's grace, but sanctification takes time. We all know that, right? So we grow and mature, and then we learn you know, how, to, how to resist temptation and, and how to deal with sin patterns in our life. So look, it, it can take time. But here's the thing. Joseph makes this statement. We don't know all the details about how she responded, but it came about 39.10 back in Genesis. As she spoke to Joseph, what's your Bible say? Day after day that he did not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. Every time he passed her in the household, he's folding towels, and she would walk by him. Hey. And she was making these advances, constantly barraging him with temptation. This is how temptation sometimes works in my life. Sometimes things are calm, and I'm thinking, man, I'm doing great as a Christian. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, you guys resonate with this? It seems like temptation is pounding at my door 24-7. Ding dong, ding dong, <laughs> ding dong. Sin is crouching at your door. And sometimes it's hard to not open the door to it. Day after day, she pounded on him. And he did not listen to her. He tried to tune her out. But where could he go? He's a slave in this household. He's basically signed a contract forever. You want to talk about, you know, you work at a company, you can quit a company where there's a difficult person there. Somebody making advances at you at a company, you could say, well, I'm not going to work there anymore. I'm going to turn them in. But this is the boss's wife. And day after day, what do you do? Tell him? Oh, uh, by the way, your wife is making passes at me. <laughs> How well is that going to go over? So he just is dealing with it. And day after day, she comes and tempts him. Delilah did the same thing to Samson. You remember, Samson kept getting a little closer to the secret of his strength. And this is Judges 16, 16 says, She pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was annoyed to death. Kind of like that kid who came, Can I have it? Can I have it? Can I have it? Okay! Take it! Take the whole box of candy! I don't care anymore! 
And all the parents said, Amen. She plumbed every angle to get at him. She, she, you know, made the subtle moves and the not so subtle moves. And it happened one day that he went into the house 11 to do his work. And none of the men of the household was there inside. I think she set this whole thing up. She was both persistent and scheming. And she caught him. The Hebrew word in verse 12 is a word that can speak of violence. It has the idea of seizing. She caught him by his garment, something like a long t-shirt that he would be wearing like a tunic. And she said, go to bed with me or sleep with me or lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. Now this is what the Bible teaches. And Joseph is the practical example of fleeing youthful lusts. Flee from these things, O man of God. And Joseph ran. Right? Sometimes the best thing that you can do is run. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Run to the nearest exit. Get out. The woman who is the adulteress in Proverbs 7 seizes him and kisses him with a brazen face. And she says, oh, I've done all these religious things. I have the colored linens of Egypt on my bed. I have myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. My husband, he's not at home. He's gone on a long journey. And she says, come on, let's, let's, let's uh, be together for the night. With many persuasions, he entices her. He entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. Suddenly, he follows her. Proverbs 7.22 is an ox who goes to the slaughter. Or as one who is in fetters to the discipline of a fool. Until an arrow pierces through his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare, so he does not know that it will cost him his life. Have you ever known a situation like this that ends well? Have you, think about how this can go. Like, is this, you know, the, the first, uh, people get captivated by, you know, someone takes a liking to them or pays attention to them. But they, they rarely, when they act on something like this, think about the long term. They think about, you know, 10 minutes of pleasure, but they don't think about the fallout. And so she wasn't letting go, and he tore himself away from her. And when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled outside, she was not a happy camper. She called the, to the men of her household. Maybe she had made a decision that if he doesn't, uh, you know, get with the program this time, then that's curtains for him. And she said to them, she's a conniver and a liar, see, he has brought, and I think she's talking to her about her husband, he has brought in a Hebrew to, uh, to us to make sport of us, to laugh at us. And he, he came into me to lie with me, and I screamed, what a liar. Man. Sometimes, you know, you get a manipulative person, and you resist them, you don't give them what they want, and it gets even uglier. It came about when he heard that I raised my voice and screamed. I wonder if anybody else heard that scream. That he left his garment beside me and fled and went outside. Mrs. Potiphar could see she was getting nowhere with this one. Is it from, uh, what's it from when it says, Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned? Is that, uh... anyway, it's true. It's not in the Bible, by the way, but it's true. So she left his garment beside her until his master came home. She said something like this, just wait 
until Potiphar gets back. Can you imagine Joseph? Why do I continue to do the right thing? Can you imagine? I've resisted this woman. I've, I've told her I don't want to sin against God, and now I'm in trouble again. He doesn't know which way this is going to go, but I'll tell you what, if you were a slave and you were accused of raping your master's wife, you're dead. Probably no two ways about it, you're dead. So she spoke to him with these words. The Hebrew slave whom you brought to us, now she's blaming a hubby, came in to make sport of me. And it happened as I raised my voice and screamed that he left his garment beside me and fled outside. She uses the garment now as evidence. Now it came about when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spoke to him saying, this is what your slave did to me, that his anger burned. What do you think he was really mad at? You know, he does not kill Joseph. He sends Joseph into the king's prison, which is an indication that I think he knows. And don't you think he knows how she is? You think he has an idea what his wife's about? He's already seen the noble character of this man. He's put everything in his charge. He's entrusted everything that he has to the care of Joseph. Now he gets this story, and do you think that he might not have noticed what was going on? And now she shares this story, and he's angry. And why do you think Potiphar might be angry? Let's assume for the moment that he knows that it's her and not Joseph. He might be angry because he's losing Joseph. <laughs> this guy's been such a blessing. This place has been a gold mine since he came. And you, <laughs> I don't know if this is the conversation. You messed it all up, woman. I don't know. So Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the jail. Can you imagine the, the prison door shutting and Joseph sitting down maybe? I'm sure it wasn't the best of accommodation. accommodations. 1500 B.C. Egyptian prison. Sure, it's not you know, five-star accommodations, right? You imagine sitting down for a minute and going, Oi, what do I have to do? First my family, now this situation. It's not worth trying to be good. You ever been there before? Remember in the, the, the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, when George Bailey gets Clarence as his guardian angel? He goes, you're the kind of angel I would expect to get, right? <laughs> and then he's in that bar. Remember that bar scene where he gets slugged by the teacher's wife, and he goes, that's what you get for praying, right? Slug in the face. Well, we've all probably been there before. Here I am. I'm trying to do the right thing in my company. I'm trying to be a man of integrity. And I get slapped in the face. And a prison cell door closed. But the story doesn't end there. The story says, but the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. The word in Hebrew is hesed. He showed him steadfast love, ESV. And gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because what? The Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. Here's a thought. Do you think that the Lord allowed Joseph to end up in prison to get him away from that woman? 
I mean, day after day, he's been being bombarded. And, and Joseph had to be thinking, you know what? This is never going to end. And if it does end, it's going to end really poorly. And so he gets falsely accused of raping her, but then he ends up away and he gets blessed by God. And, uh, you know, the last place that he would expect maybe the blessing of God is in the prison, but God's got it in him away. And the prison's going to become a door to the palace. The prison's going to become a doorway to the palace. And God's favor was upon Joseph and he prospered him. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. I wrote in my notes, if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, the rest will take care of itself, or more precisely, God will take care of the rest. Amen? And what would you do if you were in Joseph Sandals? Well, it'd be difficult because if you realize he was chastised by his family, he yeah. was rejected by his brothers. So for him to still have this integrity and strong belief and relationship in God, that says a lot for Joseph. It does, Oscar. It, it shows that um, your worldview, your view of God doesn't have to be a circumstantial blessing. It can be God's still with me. And I know God is working right now, even though my circumstances are not what I would want them to be. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not ideal. I'm not at home. I'm not in the promised land. I'm not with my family. I don't have a wife right now. Fill in the blanks. I believe God is still working. And I think that's what we can see between the lines that Joseph is reading, that God's still here even though this has happened and somehow he's going to weave a tapestry together for good. And I like how you mentioned that God is not territorial because here Joseph is down in Egypt. Yes. And and how God says, I am the God that, you know, there's no other one besides me. And mm -hmm. back in those ancient cultures, they had gods that were regional. You know, yeah. if you want a war, it's because our God's better than your God and so on. But God was with Joseph every step of the way. Think about the, you know, we've talked about this uh, typology a lot, Oscar. Egypt is a type of the world, mm -hmm. right? So Joseph has ended up in the world, if you will. And what's the allures of the world? Think of Egypt and its treasures. Think of the women that are there. Mm -hmm. Potiphar's wife, you know, uh, basically offering herself to him. Just sleep with me. You know, um, in everyday temptations that we all face as individuals, we have temptations of internet pornography. We have temptations, you know, that come on the, the screen. Uh, people, you know, they go to work and, and you know, maybe somebody's trying to make a pass at them. There's all these things that go on in the world. And in the world's point of view, what's wrong with just... You know, let's put it in modern terms, hooking up. Mm. What's wrong? And you know, my husband's away. Just you're a slave in this house. You just come and sleep with me. And Joseph's a young man. He's got to be lonely. He's gone through a, a ton of crisis and uh, he's sold into slavery, not knowing what's going to happen. Probably had to fight depression and, and all that stuff. And here he gets an offer from probably a very lovely lady. And he says, no, based upon his moral compass. Mm. That's integrity, Oscar. And I tell you what, that is a man who, um, you know, is walking with the Lord is the way we would put it. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.